Hello everyone and welcome to the Babble Box. Today is a wonderful morning of January the 11th um, and I am here fairly early in the morning right before I have to go to work. Um, I just want to say how is everybody doing? I just want to know. Um, hope you guys are doing fantastic. I hope that all of you are staying safe. I hope that all of you are having a wonderful beginning of your January. Um, <laughs> I wanted to start off today with talking about my most recent uh, trip to the grocery store. It is obviously the beginning of 2021. Everybody's sick and tired of COVID. Everybody's sick and tired of it. Um, I was in a grocery store and <laughs> there was a... I'm doing my normal rounds. I always start off with the non-food sections first. I like to browse around, go to seasonal stuff, look at pet stuff, see if there's anything cute for my dog. Um, I bought him a toy today, which he loves um, and is fantastic. But I always browse around a little bit just to see what's new, especially around like electronics, see if they have anything interesting that I really like or like decorative pieces. The home and kitchen sections are always my, my, my absolute crutch. I will always go into the kitchen section and I will always go into the home section and I will almost always buy something. Last time I was in there, I bought two like little glass uh, cork stopper, uh, uh, like almost like vintage, I should say vintage, but like the old glass milk, uh, milk jugs, you know, like the, the, the 50s that advertise like the milkman dropping off uh, milk and stuff like that, like that, like that era. They're really cute. They're really great. I hold my coffee creamer in them, and they're so, like, bougie, and I love it. It's amazing. But uh, I was doing the grocery shopping, and th there's this guy who I, I encountered first in the auto department. I wanted to pick up an air freshener for my car because it's starting to stink up like dog a little bit um, after going up north for the holidays. Um, of course, my dog was in there. Of course, he had to have one of his toys while we were driving. Otherwise, he wouldn't sit still. So it's starting to smell kind of like dog. Um, and I still have his kennel folded up in the back of my car. So it still kind of smells like dog. Um, but I picked up an air freshener and there was this guy and I was walking past him. And we like, in that instance, we locked eyes. And I was like, oh, fuck. I, I hate, I have such bad anxiety about locking eyes with anybody, whether it is anywhere from like a child it could be somebody it could be a, a a baby in a stroller and if i lock eyes with it i'm like oh fuck I, I gotta run away now i gotta change my identity fly to mexico we gotta get a different license now i gotta change my appearance gotta find the best physician in the world the plastic surgeon in the world i need to change my appearance and uh of course you know i eventually my mind comes back to me and i'm not necessarily crippled with anxiety anymore but i still think about it so we lock eyes. I, I continue walking past him. Not more than five minutes later, um, I go from the automotive department. I start doing my grocery shopping. You know, I go over to, I start with the canned goods. Um, typically how this place is laid out in the very far back, like any grocery store, is your uh, dairy, is your milk, your stuff like that. What I hate about this place is most grocery stores next to the... Um, for the most part, obviously, this is different in some other places, but in this particular grocery store, next to the dairy is, like, laundry detergent and stuff like that. So I'm like, all right, well, I don't really want to uh, go that way. But normally next to the the the, the dairy is, like, the, the, the freezer aisle. So unfortunately, how I have to make my route in this store, because I want to pick up my, my, fro my frozens and, um, like, dairy last. So I start with the canned good. I work my way towards the front of the store, uh, towards produce, and then I have to go all the way back for um, for the dairy um, and cheese and stuff like that. So I start in the canned goods. I pick up a couple cans of pasta. As I'm leaving the aisle, the same guy, I see him, and I recognize. I, I have a thing about recognizing faces, bodies, and voices just out of the corner of my my peripheries. Um, I, I tend to catch uh, the, 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 the overall look of a person through my peripheries. And if it's something that I recognize or if it's something that in general, like I, I, I know what that looks like, I will look up at it and I will check it. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's what that was. Um, so I see him in my peripheries and <laughs> I see him in my peripheries and we lock eyes again. 
And when we lock eyes, uh, of course, like, because I locked eyes with him earlier, I had to do the sort of, like, of course, you're wearing a mask, as you should be in the store. So, of course, like, I have to, I, I have to uh, give, like, the sort of squinty smile. The, the, the really fake, like, I'm raising the by bottom eyelids, and that's my smile look to it. And then throughout, I, I, I go down a few more aisles, and throughout my shopping experience, I saw this man six times. And he's, he's, uh, he was about the, about uh, slightly higher, slightly higher, slightly taller than I am. He looked like he's like in his, uh, late thirties, maybe. Um, he's, I don't know. There's something off about him. I didn't really, I just, I, I felt weird, you know, it felt odd, but I, I, I saw this man five times throughout my shopping experience. Uh, which is more than I would like for any individuals. There are some. There are sometimes I'll go shopping and I'll encounter like I'll, I'll see the same people within each and every aisle, like you know, three, four times, whatever. But there was something about this guy that like put me off, and I didn't know what it was. But uh, the last time we uh, encountered each other, we'll say, um, I adverted my gaze 100. percent I didn't want to look at the guy. But the last time we, uh, last time I saw him. I was just finishing up my grocery shopping. I was grabbing the last bit of produce. I was grabbing like a bag of potatoes um, from the produce. And I see him out of the corner of my eye and he's like coming my way. And, you know, I grab my bag of potatoes and I'm like, oh, shit, I got to go to bakery and I got to get bread. Um, So, of course, in order to get to the bakery, I have to pass by him in some way, shape or form. So I pass by him and he looks at me and I'm just like, I I can see him look at me through my peripheries. I can see his eyes glance at me and I just continue walking. And I'm like, "Mm, bitch. Like I, 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 I just, it set me off so badly. Like the amount of creepy people that I see in grocery stores is too high. Like it's just, I, I have such bad anxiety when it comes to grocery shopping. Like that's something I pass off to my boyfriend. That's something I don't want to deal with. And I'm sure there's people that feel the same way. My biggest anxiety inducer within grocery shopping is the very last step of grocery shopping. It's checking out, you know, especially when the lines are incredibly long. Um, When I grocery shop, I will circle the store five times. I will, I will, I will see that there's no empty line and I'll be like, all right, I'll call, circle the store, come back. Maybe it'll be, maybe there'll be no line in one of the, the checkout lanes. No. It doesn't work like that. Absolutely not. So I will continue to circle the store until I find my my opening. And unfortunately, fortunately, this time I was just like, all right, I got to suck it up. I have to get into a lane. I need to get out of here. I've been in here for an hour and a half now grocery shopping. I I, I have to leave. So I get in a lane. I'm sitting there. And it's a they they only had about maybe 10 lanes working besides the self-checkouts. And the self-checkouts were incredibly long regardless. But I had a whole cart full of groceries. So I'm like, all right, whatever. I will stay here, you know, wait it down. There's four people in front of me. One of them has like four items in his cart. So, you know, you kind of feel bad for the guy not just going to the self-checkout. But uh, I'm waiting in line. And two people... There was one person that got... There were two people that, that ended up getting in line behind me. And eventually, you know, I'm stuck in line in the men's clothing section, which is right next to the registers. Um, so as I am looking, as I'm waiting, I'm kind of looking around the clothing rack next to me, kind of just looking around. And I was like, hmm, I wonder what's behind the clothing rack. Is there anything cute on the clothing racks behind me? I look behind me, and the second person... Not the one right behind me, but the one following right behind that person is the guy who got in line. And I was just like, all right, at this point in time, you have to be following me. Like, you just have to be. And I, it like, my, of course, already anxiety-stricken body, now... You know, I'm sitting here like, oh, fuck, I'm going to get robbed. I'm going to get stabbed. Like, I, my brain's just going a mile an hour times a million. So a million miles an hour. But um, it's just going a million miles an hour. And I just, I'm losing my brain. 
and I, I'm, I'm starting to, like, the anxiety is starting to, like, I can feel my heart pounding. So I get up to the, 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 the checkout lane. I start putting my groceries up there. And um, I, I put everything up there, push my cart forward. The guy that was behind me leaves for whatever reason. And as I go, I'm in the front of my cart now. So in between me and this guy that I had seen now six times is my cart. It's now empty. All of my things are on the conveyor belt. So I'm in front of my cart. I pull it up and I pull it up so that it's diagonally right next to where the bagging circle doohickey thing is. And with that, you know, I, I there is now a cart. And right in front of that cart is the guy that I've seen now six times. So I'm trying to make small talk with the cashier, and she she was a younger so she was a younger person, and she was a very good conversationalist, thank the Lord, because I was trying to avoid any sort of conversation this gentleman wanted to bring up. I didn't want to deal with it, but like I was so just like it, it, it like I don't know there's something about him, and I I can't explain it because part of it could have been anxiety. I have no idea, but. There was something about the guy that just set me off, and I didn't want to deal with that in the slightest. I didn't want to. I didn't want to do anything with that. So I'm starting to bag my groceries, put everything in the cart, making conversation with the cashier, and I'm like, "Oh, you know, I used to work for this place a little like a few years ago, and it's been, it was a rough time. I hated it, and I kind of just took the job for what the the money paid." And she's like, "Oh, cool. Where'd you work?" And I was like, "Oh, I used to work in the deli, and you know, it was we we had a an okay team, and I just kind of left because of mental stuff." And she she looked at me, she's like, "Honestly, though, I feel that." Uh, like I, I felt so happy as like I could connect with somebody with mental issues. Great, cool, love that. You're just as dead inside as I am, and we continue along uh, talking. And as I'm uh, paying, you know, I take up my phone, I pay with uh, uh, my my tap pay, um, and you know, she hands me a receipt, and I just I leave, I book it, I'm so done, I'm done with it. And as I'm leaving, I look behind me. And I, fucking, I'm an idiot for doing this. But as I look behind me, he's looking at me. And I'm like, oh, fuck, I got to go. I got to go. I got to go. Thankfully, he has a cart full of groceries. So I'm like, uh, okay, I've got plenty of time to get away now. Everything's going to be fine. So I end up getting my car. I'm sitting in my car for like 15 minutes, like breathing, just focusing on just getting my anxiety down and i'm just oh my god holy hell man the less human interaction i have the better off i feel as long as it's not work related like anything within work i can deal with anything outside of work i am a i'm an anxiety ridden mess is how that works out typically there's something about like a flip or a switch i can flip where just like work doesn't matter Work doesn't drain me. Anything outside of work does, which is why I make my boyfriend do the grocery shopping. He's also more uh, money handling stable than I am too, because I will spend money on stupid shit. But regardless, um, that was my experience today, and it was god awful. And of course, I was just getting off of work, so I'm tired. You know, I just want to go home, and I don't want to be there in the first place, which definitely doesn't help with anxiety. So it was, it was just an overall like very uh, odd and overwhelming experience, and. Who it's gonna be a it's gonna be a hot minute before I go back to the grocery store, especially the next time I have to go back to the grocery store. Um, the girl that I'm living with right now is going vegan, and uh, you know, it's one thing to cook vegetarian. It's one thing to cook normal. Um, I like my protein. I like my meat. I like my chicken. I like my bacon. I like my beef. Um, so you know, it's very difficult for me. I just got into fish. I just got into salmon for the first time as a child, and that's big. Like, that's a whole different ballgame. And uh, having to find out dishes to cook for vegetarians is not terrible. I, I'm sort of trying to wane out some form of protein from my diet, so I'm not constantly eating meat with every single meal. And I that's not necessarily a good thing. It's not necessarily a bad thing. But I want to sort of wane that out. I don't necessarily want a whole bunch of protein all the time. Um, so what do I do? Sometimes I cook meals that are, have no meat in it, no protein. And I thought about tofu as an option, but honestly, tofu is really hard to cook. Um, that's something I have not experimented with, and I've heard it's, you know, you could do a lot with tofu, but it, it's, 
I have not taken the time to familiarize myself with recipes or things that you can do with tofu and stuff like that. So that's something for a later date. But the next grocery shopping trip, I she's going vegan. So I don't know what the hell I'm going to do because half the cheese I cook have butter in it or have some form of like, you know, I can't bake anything because half the stuff has egg. Um, and I like I'm not confident enough with my baking skills to just know what to substitute for a vegan like banana instead of egg or like how to make that work. I'm constantly reminded of that. If you haven't seen it's it's an old video now. But it was his grandmother who had to bake a cake for, I think it was her, either her son's or her daughter's like birthday or something like that. And their their child had gone vegan and they wanted a cake, a, a vegan cake. And of course it could have uh, no animal byproducts, so no, um, uh, no, no egg um, and nothing like that. No shortening, no lard, no butter, nothing like that. And to, to top it off, they also have celiac disease, so they can't really have uh, gluten. So she had to make a gluten-free vegan cake. And I remember, um, I have to find it, but it is the one of the funniest videos. And she's like cussing and swearing throughout the entire video. And it's, it's absolutely fantastic. And she is so funny. By the end, she ends up making the cake. And I, I believe the quote is... Uh, that shit's not that bad. Like, that's not that terrible. And, I, and I'm like, you know what? That's how I feel about it. But like half, like there's, she used like pumpkin uh, in it. She used banana. I think there was like chocolate or something in there. Like no chocolate, chocolate with no milk or something like that, which is incredibly like, I, I could not imagine baking a cake that specific. I can't imagine baking anything like without eggs or butter. So, but yeah, uh, I, uh, the next time I have to go grocery shopping, I have to think of meal plans for someone who is vegan and as somebody who is not vegan, uh, it's going to be hard. It's going to be challenging. And I'm thinking I'm just going to have her make her own. I'm thinking I'm just going to have her make her own meals. Uh, cause I don't know if I could actually cook that. She is going to have better knowledge than I do about the things that she can and cannot have. So it's going to be an interesting journey, but we'll see how that goes more, more coming in the future for that one. If you haven't heard, Trump just recently got banned from many platforms, or at least temporarily or permanently suspended. Um, <laughs> a lot of people are not happy with this, as far as like Trump supporters go. A lot of people aren't happy about this for a couple of reasons. Number one, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, you name it, a social media platform is a private company. They are a private company for those reasons. And a lot of people are saying that this is a breach of the First Amendment right. And the answer to that is, it's really not. As according to the terms of service that you sign, if you do incite public dangerous acts or incite violence, that is a thing that is a bannable offense. That is something you can get removed from. And if you were a tiny account existing on any of those platforms, you probably would have been removed a long time ago. The issue of First Amendment rights does not apply towards private companies. They can, you know, take things down at their own will. It doesn't matter who you are. You could be a president, you could be a peasant. Whatever the case is, you can have any of your stuff removed as long as it breaches if it breaches community guidelines in any way shape or form or terms of service. Period. You sign a contract when you first start up those accounts. And if you don't sign that contract, you don't get to use the platform. That's just how it goes. Um, First Amendment rights only apply towards the government. A government body or a public area cannot restrict your freedom of speech. The government cannot silence that. The government cannot redact things like that unless uh, those certain things uh, within a public document are redacted for protection of privacy or unless they are redacted for uh, like top security reasons. But they can't silence you. They can't tell you, oh, you can't say those things. You know, you can't say those things that are opinion because of this. And I'm not entirely sure if that applies towards things like, uh, uh, I'm not in, even entirely sure if that applies towards incitement of violence or things like that. I'm not sure, but uh, it, the First Amendment doesn't apply towards a private company silencing an account or silencing your 
your what you say or do it it, it doesn't breach like that but the funny thing is because it primarily used uh he primarily used twitter that was his big platform and I, I guess he had a Facebook account as well, or a page or something like that. And I'm sure there's many, many other pages like that too. But the funny thing is, he got banned on Pinterest. Pinterest? What? Pinterest? Are you kidding me? I've only been on Pinterest like five times, and there's some great stuff on there. Uh, and each time it was on there for freaking recipes or like DIY stuff. Pinterest is like a, 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 a grove of just like DIY heaven. Like if you've ever wanted to make something or craft something or do something, Pinterest is like your way to go. And I'm not even doing this for like an ad. This is, <laughs> this is, Pinterest is a crazy place. You can find all sorts of shit on there. My, uh, my boyfriend's mom once found really cute DIY, like, teddy bears and stuff like that you can make out of just using, like, a, a hand cloth or something like that, or a dish rag, uh, and you can make them just by sort of knotting and tying them in different segments, and she made, like, 60 of them for a baby shower, you know, some, some blue ones, some pink ones, whatever the case is, and it was just really, really cool, and, like, it's amazing what people can up with on Pinterest, but it, it's just it's a time sucker. Um, but yeah, Donald Trump got banned on Pinterest of all places. I don't know what he was doing on Pinterest or if it was just to kind of cover their own butts about it, but that's crazy. Um, and I know that Twitter and Facebook are working on sort of cracking down on a lot of other groups and accounts like that too, who have incited violence and stuff like that. Um, and it's just, it's crazy what the, what that has become. It's crazy to think that, that's the world that we live in right now and it's it's insane um and you know the riots on capitol hill are crazy weird like i shouldn't say crazy weird the riots on capitol hill were nothing short of domestic terrorism you know it, to to walk into a place armed you know pepper spraying cops to walk into congress like that with the intention of inciting violence with the intention of potentially killing congress people is treason and that's crazy but the thing is very few civilians very few of the people that were there and i, I shouldn't even be calling them civilians very few of the rioters that were there were harmed you know, I believe as of right now, there are four people dead. There are several that have been uh, uh, wounded or, you know, had to be hospitalized in some way, shape or form or treated in some way, shape or form. A lot of people got pepper sprayed. But overall, you know, that just goes to show you what white privilege is, that half the people that were in that riot, majority of people that were in that riot were white. And they were able to just walk right into the into the building, and it's crazy. You know, I I, I hate to get political like this, but it, this it's 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 just insane. It really is. The fact that these people were just able to walk in and do whatever the hell they wanted to with little to no resistance is just insane. And you have like people with their phones out recording the whole thing. You've cops or security taking pictures with people you have them just kind of lightly shoving or pushing around a little bit and that like that's crazy that is insane and that just goes to show you how deeply vetted white privilege is in our system the funny thing about my my probably the thing I, I tend to chuckle at for the the biggest thing, the thing I chuckle at most during that uh, riot, I'm not even going to call it a protest because it was a riot. The thing I chuckle at most was the fact that you had people, you had people at that event who were pepper spraying cops, shoving cops, disrespecting cops while carrying Blue Lives Matter flags. And I understand that not everybody was doing that. I understand not everybody was, was, you know, fighting the police. But that just goes to show you how much that the Blue Lives Matter movement was not for the advocation of blue lives or police lives, but as a movement to 
shut down or minimize Black Lives Matter. That's all it was. That's all it's ever been. It's never been about the police. Blue Lives Matter is, in my honest opinion, stupid. Blue Lives Matter, I understand, you know, if it was an actual movement, if it had an actual purpose other than to just kind of minimize Black Lives Matter, I'd be all for it. You know, if we saw a an uptick in just, you know, police dying left and right for no other reason than violence, that'd be something worth fighting for. That'd be something that, you know, you could back. But in the end, you cannot compare Black Lives Matter to Blue Lives Matter in any way, shape, or form. Blue lives are a choice. You you choose to become a cop. You choose to stay a cop. You don't get to choose the color of your skin and the discriminations that come with it. Plain and simple. That's all it is. But my my favorite clip, and this is this is one of it's it's I forget her name. It was a girl that's from like Tennessee or something like that. And there's a guy that has his phone out, and she's like crying. Obviously, I think she got pepper sprayed. Uh, but she's like, she's like, oh, she's, she's crying. And the guy's like, well, what happened? What happened? And she's like, I, I, they maced me. And she's, they're like, they maced you? And she's like, yeah, was, uh, they pushed me and they maced me. And he's like, what were you doing? And she's like, we're, we're storming the Capitol. It's a revolution. And uh, the guy's like, yeah, what's your name? Where's you from? And she's like, my name is, uh, I'm from Tennessee. And I, I, they pushed me and they maced me as I, and one of the a genius um, took the Animaniacs uh, intro, the the new and improved, and I shouldn't say improved, but the the new series, the new reboot of Animaniacs. They took Animaniacs, and they they did the the ending of it where it's uh, uh we're animani, totally insaney. They pushed me and they maced me, Animaniacs. And I thought that was the funniest shit in the world. I rewatched that clip. I think I saw it on TikTok. I rewatched that clip like five or six times. You have to look it up. And if you don't know what who Maniacs are, you need to watch it. There's the new season on Hulu. There's, I think, a second season on its way soon. But there's a whole first season on Hulu. I highly recommend. It kind of goes back to the roots of cartoony, uh, cartoony humor, where it's just kind of like, you know, you have your old drawn uh characters and you had a whole bunch of like older comedy but it, it's it stays sort of real i think it was made in 2019 so uh half the stuff that they reference is in 2020 is kind of just like forethought um they don't really make a lot of contemporary jokes as far as that kind of stuff goes but they they make a lot of jokes about themselves about the industry and it's just kind of fun it's very very contemporary very moving animaniacs is one of those things that i saw a long time ago when i was little um I, I was born in 1998, but my my cartoony know-how lives through on through my dad because he was a huge cartoon person. Um, he would watch cartoons every every single morning when he got the chance. He always had weekends off, so we'd always walk out on Saturday morning and they'd be playing. Um, but cartoons were one of my things that I absolutely loved, and I saw Animaniacs and many seasons of Animaniacs um, over and over and reboots and all that stuff. And it's something that's like near and dear to my heart. Now there's a lot of jokes in there and there's a lot of, uh, very, uh, you kind of look at it now and it's, it's kind of grainy humor where it's like, Oh, that did not, that joke didn't age too well, or that joke should not be, uh, it, it it's one of those jokes that like, Oh, you said that nowadays you might get your ass uh, handed to you. Uh, you said that nowadays, you said that nowadays you might, uh, get some very strong word choice, uh, thrown at you. But regardless, like it, they, I'm very happy they brought it back, and I'm very happy they sort of kept to the old art style. It's it's very, very nice to see from modern cartoons where they all kind of have the uh, the new art style. I forget what it's called now, but it's it's like it it, it just kind of like I don't know. The new art style is very simplistic uh, and doesn't lend itself to be very malleable, in my opinion. Um, shows like The Amazing World of Gumball. Um, Steven Universe, those like kind of shows that have that very similar art style in terms of like face structure, body structure. And I will say Amazing World of Gumball does have its moments of deep, deeper animation where it kind of separates itself and raises the bar a little bit. But for the most part, like that sort of art style is very uh, modern nowadays. And that's what everybody pretty much uses. And it kind of sucks. Like I miss the old like 
uh, I miss the old older cartoons where the art style was a, was a little bit more um, on the vintage side, as we would say now. Shows like old Looney Tunes, you know, those kinds of shows. Um, and I did see that they, the new Mickey Mouse shorts, I think, is what they are now. I don't know if they're a full show or not, but the new Mickey Mouse shorts uh, are sort of holding to that really old art style. They're not the best. Um, I've, I've heard the jokes in that can be very sort of uh, hit or miss, but uh, that sort of old art style where kind of have like the original Mickey, you know, the Mickey from like the intro to Disney stuff for those those cartoons that had like the Mickey Mouse on a tugboat whistling away. That kind of art style always appealed to me. Um, but it, it's very good, very good regardless. Another show that I've been uh, watching a lot more has been Hell's Kitchen, uh, which is a show that was produced, I think, by Film Rise. Um, and it's Gordon Ramsay with uh, 16 chefs, 14 chefs, something like that. But there are a lot of people that come from different backgrounds, different stuff like that. And they've been um, sort of drafted to become chefs at this uh, at this uh, this restaurant in... Uh, is it LA? No. Yeah, it's in LA. Um, but it, it, it's to, uh, the goal is that whoever wins the show, and it's a competition, um, whoever wins the show gets a salary of a quarter million dollars, I think is what they usually give as a head chef or owner or whatever at whatever store they want to provide. Um, and you pit 16 chefs against each other, eight on one team, eight on the other team, until you know you whittle down one, maybe two eliminations here or there, um, until you get down to like your final two, and then obviously they battle it out. But um, Hell's Kitchen is very, uh, very interesting to watch because the editing that goes into that show is like it makes you really like hate characters and makes you really like other characters and obviously you know there's kind of some back and forth there you're like oh you know whatever i just finished season 17 but season 16 there were like two or three people in there that i was like oh i really like them they're awesome they're they're amazing i love them and then like by the like last quarter um, which typically persists of like 12 13 14 episodes something like that it varies from season to season uh, but in this case, I, it was sort of like the last few episodes of the season before they get, you know, into the like sort of the finals, stuff like that. And one of the characters like just did something super sneaky and snide. And I was just like, you know, I really liked you up to this point. And now I'm just like, oh, man, I want to kick your ass so bad. I want to I want to kill you. That's how I feel. And like it just like the editing that goes into it is amazing. But I just finished season 17 which was their first season of All-Stars. So what they did was everybody that was in sort of black jackets um, that they felt like they wanted to have back for another season, they called, you know, 16 chefs back um, who are all, you know, very good uh, uh, competitors competitors uh, in their whatever seasons. And I saw there's so many of my favorite characters. Um, say characters like they're not real people there's so many my favorite competitors um there was my season 14 people that i really liked uh there was millie uh there was uh michelle and nick they're my favorite josh was there at one point and he's an absolute asshole um and I, i'm glad he left super early um and then there was elise from i think season 10 11 maybe 12 uh Elise though is notorious for one thing and she is the most hated most hated uh Hell's Kitchen contestant that has ever been on the show. I don't know what you have to do to be the most hated competitor on the show in history, but holy shit did her season pull in some really good ratings just because of the drama. I don't know how many times I watched that, like, just crap go down. And she is a very sassy, very attitude-driven woman. And she's she's strong. She's a good cook. Like, better than I'll ever be. It takes one person to be a cook and another to be a chef. I don't have the creativity it takes to be a chef. If I walked in those doors, I'd be absolutely just destroyed in a heartbeat. Because I look at ingredients and I'm like, I don't know what the hell I'm going to make. I like I, I, even if I was given access to like 
you know, very good ingredients, very premium ingredients or spices, herbs, I tend to stick to the same spices. I don't know what it is, but I tend to just like, I don't think, I don't know how to make like fancy. And of course I'm making like high class food and I don't know how to make that stuff. Like, I don't know. I don't know what a Berblanc is. I don't know how to make a, a, a duck cell or, you know, I don't know how to do those kinds of things. I just know, you know, simple. I know how to baste. Um, I can make a very good steak. It's delicious, and I love that stuff. Um, but like, I don't cook very fancy. The fanciest thing I have made um, has been a risotto, um, and it, it uses like the most fancy thing about it is the wine that goes in there. It's a white wine, and you have to cook off the wine. Um, and that's been the most complicated thing I've made just because the way you make risotto can be a little on the complicated side. And if you don't do it right, you end up with something that is either very mushy or it has a lot of liquid to it. And it's just like soup. Um, and mine turned out to be, eh, I think it was a little overcooked and, uh, it was really weird cause it was a little overcooked and a little crunchy at times. So it was just kind of strange, but overall it sucked. Um, and that's something that I'm going to make again in the future. But when I get a gas stove instead of my electric stove, um, but Hell's Kitchen is a really good, like, show, and I'm not usually one for, like, competition shows, um, I, I typically don't like the drama that is infused in those kinds of things, but Hell's Kitchen, I really like, I really like people, uh, being creative with their dishes, I start, I like looking at food, I like food cooking shows, and I, I've never, um, I know there's another one that Ramsey has started, which is MasterChef, MasterChef's a kind of another one like that. But I never really liked MasterChef because a lot of MasterChef is like there are people in there that don't know how to cook very well. Like the the whole thing with them is like they want to become better. With Hell's Kitchen, like these are people that, you know, pride themselves with being the best of what they do and being really good at what they do. Like these are people that, you know, are executive chefs or personal chefs or the people that are uh, like they own businesses or stuff like that. And uh you know, to see those people sometimes fail is just like, wow, like, that's crazy, man. Like, I, that just goes to show, like, even if you're an expert, quote unquote, like, you can still fuck up, you can still mess up so badly. And that, that instantly puts fear into my heart. I like cooking. Don't get me wrong. I cook for myself all the time. Uh, for dinner, I actually, last night, I actually made myself a homemade goulash. Um, it turned out very good, but it's like, that's not fancy. You can't really make a goulash fancy. It's just kind of ingredients that have been thrown together. But, you know, whatever. Um but yeah, I like I I, I will say Hell's Kitchen has made me look forward to cooking a lot more. The, some of the dishes they produce have been uh they're awesome to look at and they're awesome to see and I can only imagine how they taste. But my palate is absolute crap, so the things that I produce are obviously geared towards my palate i generally cook for myself instead of other people um but yeah generally like it's gotten me back into cooking a lot more um i've been cooking a lot more fish lately i've gotten into making salmon a lot more i'm trying to find cod um around my local markets which is hard to come by but i want to make like a beer battered cod uh, but i've gotten back into cooking salmon um, I've gotten back into cooking steak, um, finding new ways to make those kinds of things. I've made sliders uh, this last week, and those turned out amazing. That was inspired by uh, that was inspired by Chef, uh, Hell's Kitchen. There's just a lot you can do with that kind of stuff, and it's amazing. Um, and the, the inspiration that kind of comes from shows like that is awesome, and they make you want to make things. They just that's that's the that's the end goal. It makes you look at the food that they produce and be like, I want to try doing that. I want to do that. Like, that's what inspired me to try that risotto that first time. Now, I've, I, I've only ever tried risotto like twice before, um, one in a professional kitchen and one as like a, a sampler. Um, and I used to be a dishwasher for a professional kitchen. It was a very high-end restaurant, and I was there for maybe two months um, because we had another location that needed me more, and they were sort of in the same – they were owned by the same people, so they just kind of went from one store to the other. Um, but, uh, I tried the risotto once and it was delicious. Oh my God. You want to talk about like deep flavor, really good. It like, it tasted like a, a, a fancy, um, like a, a, a fancy, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not mac and cheese. 
it just tasted really fancy. All right, I don't know where else to go with that, but it was so so good. And the the chef that was working there at the time was very genuine, um, and he was a very nice guy. Uh, and he sort of my second week there, he could tell I was trying to I was starting to get into the rhythm of things. Um, and obviously, I'd been a dishwasher. Well, I shouldn't say obviously. I had been a dishwasher there for roughly uh, like two weeks there, but before, prior to that, I had been a dishwasher at the sister restaurant that was down the road um, that catered more towards sort of the medium class, medium low class. It was very cheap, you know, bar food um, with some very good entrees and stuff like that that was decently priced, um, sort of like an Applebee's menu, but it tasted a lot better. It was a lot more sort of home-styled. Um, but it's very good. And I was a dishwasher there for about nine months at that time. So I hopped over to the fancy restaurant, helped out there. They had just fired two of their dishwashers. Um, and, uh, yeah, that went well. Um, but they had fired two of their dishwashers and they needed help. So they called me over. And so I was working over there. And let me tell you, being a dishwasher there is the easiest shit ever. Like it is a very fancy restaurant, a very fancy area. The problem was it was in the middle of the winter, like we're talking January, February. Uh, there's not a lot of, there wasn't a lot of people around the area that could afford that on a regular basis. There were a lot of people that kind of came there for like a once in a while kind of thing, but generally speaking, it was very slow. Um, and the people there were awesome. They were amazing. Like the, the chefs there were, were awesome. I know I was a closer, um, I was a closing dishwasher, so I'd come in uh, sort of like, you know, I would come in maybe 2 p.m., 3 p.m., something like that, work until 8, get out at like 8.30 after I had finished mopping the floors, doing whatever. Um, but in general, like I could handle the dishes that came back and forth on my own. And it was very easy um, because I was so used to the, the store I'd been or the restaurant that I'd been working at previously because it caters to a much broader uh, set of people, you know, you get a lot more dishes. You know, generally speaking, we had a packed night every single night, which is fine. But we'd have a packed night every single night. And I was so used to, like, the, the amount of dishes that we had come back through there all the time. And it was just a nonstop thing right up until, like, 10 o'clock. But um, in this case, I could handle the entirety of the night on my own. And they could they could tell. They knew what I was doing. I knew what I was doing. Um, and I would occasionally help them with prep and I would, I took some, some very basic cooking tips from them too. I learned how to shuck oysters, um, which is something I'd never had experience in before. I learned how to properly clean and maintain blades. I learned how to use a whetstone. Um, they taught me some very valuable information. They taught me how to use like ring molds for like salads, stuff like that. We had at the time a sort of uh, a beet salad, which you put a, a slice of beet on the very bottom put some red and green cabbage uh, on top of that, drizzle with some balsamic vinegar, and then add a couple sort of touching garnishes. And that was that. It was pretty simple, but they taught me how to build that. I occasionally helped them actually on the line with the, the things that they had. Um, and my favorite part is like they would cook for me. And it's not something that I was used to. Every once in a while at my other restaurant, like especially if it was a busy night and they knew that I, I was underage and they knew that I hadn't gotten a break, which is illegal, but... Um, occasionally like i'd have a chef come up to me like what do you want for dinner and I, my favorite you think used to be like the fettuccine alfredo that used to be my my go-to it was savory it was salty the grilled chicken was super good you know the sauce tasted amazing noodles slightly al dente and it was just phenomenal um and i would always ask for that but going there like opened my eyes to the amount of food and they would make me like truffle fries, you know, they would ask me if I wanted some grilled chicken and like this and that. And they're sort of like, they, one night I got like a, a skirt steak that they had, I, they had left over and it was just super good. Oh my God. And they made me a risotto one time, uh, which I tried to replicate and it didn't really go so well. I don't know how they did it, uh, but mine tasted like white wine. Theirs did not uh, at all. So you know, they're professionals and I, I've clearly not, I clearly have not mastered the risotto, but that's something I'm working towards. I want to expand my culinary, uh, my culinary knowledge to the next level, uh, greatly. And I have taken steps to increase that regardless. I want to expand my culinary career. Um, 
it's 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 been a goal of mine forever i want a huge kitchen you know i want all of these kitchen gadgets i've learned to bake bread i've learned how to do this i just got a pasta roller for christmas uh thanks to my boyfriend's parents and it's been amazing um i haven't actually used it yet but like I'm slowly getting to the point where a lot of the stuff that I normally buy or a lot of the stuff that, you know, I don't normally make, I'm starting to make and it's, it's starting to become amazing. And I'm super excited for that in general. I'm super excited to, to try new things. I'm always looking for, okay, this, uh, I've cooked burgers forever now. What's the next step? And my next step when I started to sort of look at ways how I can improve that was to make, uh, like, very simple yet delicious sort of burgers lay the cheese on top once it's flipped and it continues to cook uh, lay the cheese on top let it melt while it's on the stove and then take two buns you know we're gonna grill those buns with some butter get them nice and toasted put one on the on the plate put your burger patty on there after it's rested for a couple minutes you let all that blood and juice kind of drain off just a tiny bit um, we're going to, we're going to then, uh, you know, sort of take that. We're going to put a little bit of like a, a deli sauce on it. It's just, oh, just amazing. And it turns out so good. And it, it's sort of like a grilled cheeseburger and it's just so tasty. So I guess it's a cheeseburger. I shouldn't say grilled cheeseburger. It's a, it's a cheeseburger, but add a little spice, um, but yeah, it's, it's, it just turned out really good. And then I started to make bread in our old apartment and, you know, we had a, we had a gas stove there and it was just amazing and it was so nice. And I, I love to make bread. The smells of fresh baked bread, just overwhelmingly amazing. And it's just awesome. And from there I learned how to, you know, make really good pasta. Um, and I still, like I said, I still haven't tried it. If you ever want to learn a lot of sort of culinary basics and stuff like that, I know Gordon Ramsay has like a master class that he has that you can follow um, and you can learn a lot from them. However, that has a subscription price, I'm assuming. Follow on YouTube, uh, Binging with Babish. He is amazing. His voice is amazing. He, he has a fantastic beard, um, but he cooks with so much passion and he cooks very very delicious things and he does it uh that's all he does that's his full-time job is just doing those kinds of videos now which is amazing and that's something that i that has inspired me to sort of cook and he's taught me a lot of things that i want to know like my fanciest thing that i can make is a bechamel which is really easy it's just the roux it's nothing very fancy you just melt equal parts butter to equal parts flour let it get nice and foamy let the flour kind of cook a little bit then add uh, either cream or milk to that very slowly until it becomes a thick paste then you add cheese into it and it just oh you ever want to make a good mac and cheese that's the way to go um, but in that in that sense he's taught a lot of things um, but he, he's mainly known for cooking things that are on different um like tv shows uh series stuff like that like he's he's made all sorts of really goofy things uh one of the one of the things that comes to mind he made the uh the the notorious spongebob um what was it like uh 24 patty deluxe uh is the what's his name bob was it bob i don't remember but it was the guy that hid his hid the pickles under his under his tongue and complained that he never had pickles on any of them is a food critic or whatever the case is with that but regardless like he made that thing which turned out to be a monster uh and it was horrible to put together um but he always goes for like these really like wide shot really like crazy 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 things and they always turn out really ridiculous but then he refines the process sort of brings it back down to ground level and it's like all right so we just made it the ridiculous way. We're going to see how we can improve on this or we can see how we can uh, um, make this into something that's actually palatable or something you can actually fit in your mouth sort of thing. Um, one of my favorite things he's ever done, if you guys know Apex Legends, uh, Mirage, uh, who is notorious for talking about pork chops. Um, in one of the early, I think it was season two or three, in one of the like 
border screens or whatever you want to call it, loading screens, there was a recipe that is for his famous homemade pork chops, like a maple glazed pork chop or something like that. And uh, he made those and they turned out really sweet and really gross. And it was just like overwhelmingly sweet. But what he decided to do was then take it sort of a notch further and be like, all right, let's make this palatable. Let's make this taste good. Um, you know, I think he added like a smokiness to it to offset the sweetness, sort of brought the sweetness down a little bit. Um, I think the main problem that ended up having with the original recipe was a crap ton of clove, um, which, you know, a pinch of clove goes a long way. So you want to do like a quarter pinch at best, uh, but clove goes a long way. And that was like one thing that brought the recipe down. So he sort of brought it back down to earth and sort of reinvented the, the, the recipe a little bit and sort of changed it up and added a little bit more, took a little bit less from it um, and did kind of that thing. And like, he's absolutely one of my favorite YouTubers of all time. He's just amazing. Um, and I love him to death. And he has done many things for his community. He's actually brought people on sort of trips. Um, he, he's, he does things with his own time, you know, outside of just cooking. Um, he shows you kind of sneak peeks at what he does in his life and how he goes about his day, where you can find good ingredients, what good things are, what bad things are. His kitchen is amazing. I want his kitchen so badly. Like I want those commercial, uh, style refrigerators and freezers and stuff like that. Like that's how I imagine my kitchen at home, like throw away all of the, like throw away your Frigidaire, throw away a dishwasher in there. Like I just want commercial uh, reach in stuff. That's all I want. And I also want enough space and enough people to just cook all the time for. I want to have the energy to cook like that. That's really what I need is the energy. Cause half the time I go to the grocery store, I buy a bunch of stuff and then I don't end up using it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that will do it for this week's episode. Please, if you are listening to this and you haven't already followed me, please go ahead and hit that follow button. It helps me out immensely, and I greatly appreciate your continued support. At this time, I'm currently working on an email trying to set up something where I can have active feedback, or if you have questions or comments or concerns, things like that. Um, hopefully, I'll have that all set up by the next week's episode. Thank you all so much for listening. I look forward to next week's episode. This has been the Babble Box. Stay tuned for next week.